the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us every Saturday night here on AM 1280 The Patriot at 6 p.m. Well, K-12 through education is the playing field, and as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, so rightly stated, he said, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I want to turn to my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom, where tonight we have the privilege of speaking with two ladies dedicated to restoring the black community's cultural roots of faith, family, and education. They are involved with an organization called Take Charge Minnesota, and their names are Alfreda Baldwin and Kafi Monska. Mm-hmm. And Alfreda is a Ch- Chicago-area native, a retired attorney, who served in the role of in-house counsel at Securian Financial for 32 years. After retirement, Baldwin started vol- volunteering in her son's, uh, actually grandchildren's, I think, school district, and spending time with elementary students caused her to reflect on the education she had received while attending a Lutheran grade school. And it led her to want to start a Christian school accessible to families of all ethnic and financial backgrounds. And she's currently working on a project to open a K-8 micro school in the Twin Cities. And she also serves on the board of the Minnesota South District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Alfreda Baldwin is a wife, mother, and a grandmother. In addition to her work with Take Charge Minnesota, Kafi Monska is an attorney. And Kafi and her husband have three teen boys, ages 13, 15, and 17, and her oldest has special needs. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Education America. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So we're just going to jump right in because we know you both have so much to say, and we're so excited to be able to hear from you this evening. So let's begin by having both of you share your personal stories as it pertains to education. Why do you think a good education is so important, and especially to you? I can go first. Um, Education was my emancipation. I grew up with a mom who was on drugs. Um, Mm. You know, I saw lots of hard times. We she would change the tags back then. We had tags on food. That's how old I am. But she would change the price tags to get cheaper price for food and steal things. Yes, uh, for money we would. um, Yeah, like we were not doing very well, and Mm -hmm. um, and I just I remember like we would. There were, we slept. We had a one bedroom apartment, and my mm-hmm. sister and my mom and I all slept in one bed. And I thought that oh, was normal, right? But the other day, I looked right. back on it. I was like, that was kind of different. I didn't even know. You <laughs> they, know, I didn't, they call that the family bed now, right? Exactly. <laughs> I didn't realize how how odd that was. But right. anyways, mm-hmm. I did know 
that that lifestyle was not good. And I did not want to repeat a lot of the things that I saw. And I just Mm -hmm. remember watching Burning Bed and seeing, I want to be a lawyer. I I just, Mm -hmm. I saw education and being a lawyer as my way out. And my dad did move, take me away from my mom Hmm. and moved us to a nicer neighborhood where I did get a better education. But I just feel like people shouldn't have to move to get a better education. Absolutely. And then, you know, even then I had a lot of challenges, but I really focused on school because I saw that as a way out so that I wouldn't repeat patterns that I mm-hmm. saw in my life. So mm-hmm. that's why education is so important for me. I feel like it can be the way out for other kids too. Absolutely. And, you know, look at where you are. Here you are, an attorney, and you are working, I think, full-time, and you're also working for your own nonprofit, uh, you and the other ladies, the Exodus Program, and working on school choice. And the difference that you are making, and, you know, I just want every child to have that same kind of hope and that understanding Exactly like you say, that education is so important. Um, Alfreda, can you tell us a little bit about your story as well? Sure. Um, Well, I was fortunate to have a very different sort of childhood. Um, I grew up with my mom and dad in a suburb of Chicago, and it was a a working-class black neighborhood um, where really all of the adults, I, I believe, placed a high value on education and you know, it was the kind of thing where you you had the mindset of, I want my kids to have more than I had. And so there was an emphasis on upward mobility and an understanding that education was a way for that to happen. Um, so my parents had a high school education, but they certainly wanted me to be able to get a college education and, you know, do whatever I wanted as an adult. And so um, I started out in the public school system. Um, But at the end of third grade, um, the district changed the boundaries and they were going to send me to a school that my parents did not think was a very good school. And so they took me out of the public school system and found a little Lutheran school not very far from where we lived. Um, But I recall, you know, having to pay that tuition um, was a sacrifice for them and one that they had to uh, take an extra job to um, to be able to pay that tuition. And um, so, you know, it they never let me forget, you know, how how much they valued education and the sacrifices they made for me to get a good education. So it motivated me to work hard and study hard. And um, I just always kind of think about this as this is the inheritance I got from my parents mm-hmm. um, that understand and really from, you know, from them coming from people who were not allowed to learn. Right. Um, I just look at it as shame on me or any of us who don't take uh, advantage of that opportunity to get an education that we have today. Right. Oh, so true. And oh. and same thing for you. You accomplished a successful legal career, and now you are mm-hmm. planning to start a micro school of your own so that you can help in, instill those values into other students and other children. Exactly. You know, the, the two of you have been on this journey in discovering the importance of additional options for families and choosing the best education for their children. As, you know, Coffee was saying earlier, it shouldn't be that, uh, you know, there's some places where you can get a good education, other places that you can't. But, mm-hmm. you know, school choice is a very hot topic uh, today for giving those additional options. Why is school choice important in your view? Yeah, do you want to start Coffee? Um, yes. Like I said before, I don't think that um, people should be stuck in a school based on their zip code and based on where they can afford to live and areas where there are good schools, you know, the houses are worth more. Right. People are moving there and it just shouldn't yeah. be that way. There should be a chance for kids who are in a, 
in a neighborhood and they're, they're low income to do better than their parents. They shouldn't be stuck to a life of generational poverty right. because they're stuck in these failing schools. Mm-hmm. I also think that all kids are different. And mm-hmm. so even in my family, my kids all attend different schools because mm-hmm. they're different. My youngest was in our neighborhood school and he felt like he wasn't getting a good education. He was mm-hmm. sick of sitting on the sidelines while the teachers helped the students who needed more help. And right. he was more accelerated in math. And he saw a school, a charter school that he knew of where his friends were going. Some of his friends, he that's just from his basketball team. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to go there for a better education. And so, you know, all kids are different. My other one, social was more important. So I kept right. him with his friends. My youngest, Luke, he didn't care if he had any friends. He wanted a better education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have a kid with special needs um, who our local school district didn't work for him. There was only one classroom in the entire district for kids like him. So if it hmm. didn't work out there, I was stuck to right. that for the, unless I could get out. Right. So, um, yeah. So I just feel like us parents, we know our kids best. And, yes. And if the neighborhood school doesn't work for them. We shouldn't be forced to keep them there. Mm-hmm. And also, I think school choice is important for values. Every family has different values. Yep. And yep. sometimes the schools teach things that they don't, that are not in line with those. Mm-hmm. And I think that parents should be able to pick a different place, especially considering the diversity in this country and exactly. and how we all have different beliefs. And yes. I think people who respect diversity would, would also realize that kids are different right. and that families and cultures are different in what they value. Yeah. Yep. For a culture that values choice, supposedly... Um, it's amazing how we have this monopoly in education by the public or the government run public schools. Yeah. doesn't provide a lot of choice for sure. And how about for you, Alfreda? Why, why is school choice so important to you? Well, I think uh, for really the reasons that coffee expressed um, when I was growing up, the, the word equity was, wasn't being thrown around as it relates to, you know, differences between um, blacks and whites. We talked about equal opportunity and that's that's the concept that I still uh, value, um, equal opportunity and fairness. And I don't think it's fair that a family's bank account size dictates whether or not a child gets a quality education. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if you happen to live in a zip code and your assigned school is a low-performing school, um, just because your parents, that's all, they don't have the money to send you somewhere where else. It's just not right that you should be stuck there. Yeah. You know, I think about um, at the beginning of the program, um, Rebecca said I was volunteering in my grandchildren's um, school. And actually, at the time, I did not have um, grandchildren. Oh, sorry um, about that. <laughs> I, that's okay. Um, I do now have a toddler grandchild. Um, but you know, as I'm watching what's going on in that school, and this is not in a poor performing school, there's just other stuff going on that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I kept thinking about, well, if if my son and his wife couldn't afford to to send our child or grandchild to a better school, grandma and grandpa would help out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I just started thinking, well, what about the people who don't have a grandma and grandpa right. who can help out? Mm-hmm. And so it just... Mm-hmm. I'm big on fairness and equal opportunity, and it just weighed on my heart that we've got this monopoly of public education where some people are forced, because of compulsory education laws, mm-hmm. to continue sending their kids to schools that just aren't going to help them have that upward mobility. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. It just isn't right. I agree. Well, back in April, uh, the Minnesota Senate passed an education omnibus bill that featured the creation of education savings accounts, ESAs, um, for future reference. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with ESAs, what are education savings accounts and how would they benefit families looking to change schools? 
Either one of you is fine. Well, education. I'm going to let coffee take it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Education savings accounts. um, There's a taxpayer amount uh, per student amount of money that each student has. Mm -hmm. And so with ESAs, it would allow for about $8,300 to be a year to Mm -hmm. go with each child to a private school setting or to use for homeschool or for other private Mm -hmm. settings to learn. Which is a huge amount, by the way. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and then 8,600 would stay with the school. So Mm -hmm. only the... um, the state dollars go and the federal and local dollars stay at the school. So actually there's more money left mm-hmm. for the students left behind and there's less students to yes. serve with that money. Yes. Um, one of the main arguments against this is that it will gut the school. So I was talking to my yep. representative in my area, um, mm-hmm. Isaacson, and he, I wrote him a letter and he wrote back and says, I don't, and he said, I don't support education savings account. They take money from the public schools, <laughs> but that's not necessarily. He was not very well educated on what they really were. Yeah, that's not necessarily accurate. It's not mm-hmm. going to gut. Yeah, the public school system. Mm-hmm. But even if it did, I mean, if the school was performing well, people wouldn't leave. Right. That's so the whole... that's another reason why it wouldn't mm-hmm. gut the system. Schools that perform well, people won't leave. If, if a school did happen to close because it wasn't educating students, which mm-hmm. is its only purpose. Right. right. So be it. Exactly. Yeah. We aren't. I, I know we've been saying this and hearing this through other organizations. We're not funding systems. We're, we're supposed to be funding students. And I think that um, people get confused about that a lot, and they they think of the public school system as a system, but there are students in that system, and if they're not getting an education, they need a way out. And this is not foreign. Money, when a kid goes to a charter school or a different school district, the money follows them also. So this concept is not... You know, crazy, right? Strange. It's not new. Yep. Yes. And there's ESAs all over the country. I don't know if we're going to be talking about that a little bit later, but um, that's something that's important for our listeners to know that this is not new here, uh, or new in our country either. Um, ESAs are in many, many states across the country. And since COVID, th- there's three states working on them right now. Yeah, in addition, that's great. Just because of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Okay. And Alfreda, would you like to add it all to that, or? Well, you know, I just listening to this conversation and thinking about the argument that it guts um, public schools, the compulsory education law says you have to send your child to a school. It doesn't say you have to send them to a public school. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're all paying taxes. Why not let people use their tax dollars to send their child to whatever school they want? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be a public school? Yeah, that's right. Um, it just and that's. You know, the whole point of education savings accounts is that it is giving people back some of their tax dollar and letting them have control over where what they spend it on mm-hmm. for their child's education. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that some of the worst districts, worst performing districts, have been getting the most money. Uh, Minneapolis, yes. I believe, spends $25,000 per pupil. Um, that's much more than almost all but the very most elite private schools in the Twin Cities. Um, and yet their performance is abysmal. So it certainly isn't about money. They, they've they had the money, and they're still not performing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're right. touching a little bit on this this disconnect that exists between politicians. You know, they, they state, though, you'll, you'll hear them, they say they care about uh, the disadvantaged. Um, in their, and ultimately, you think about this disconnect, how is it then that they will not – stand on the side of school choice. I mean, this has to be just a complete control of wanting to not lose control, essentially. They don't want an educated populace. I I don't understand what else it could be other Mm -hmm. than wanting to control. Mm -hmm. Well, what's so interesting to me is I was was thinking about this interview, 
um, I was reminded that Arne Duncan, who was the Secretary of Education under President Obama, mm-hmm. um, sent his kids to a private school. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I mean, think about it. The Secretary of Education, yeah. who's overseeing the public school system, mm-hmm. um, is sending his children to a private school. Yeah. And so was so, Obama, by the way, who so, supposedly... And so was Obama. Yes. And so you mm-hmm. really have to question what is this all about, um, especially when survey data shows that um, particularly black parents want school choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it is puzzling. You have to wonder, you know, is it just um, that there are forces that make big contributions to politicians that um, they, they listen to and they don't listen to parents. Um, it's just an odd, it's an odd mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Follow the mm-hmm. money. Yeah. We yeah. talk a lot about unions um, giving lots and lots and lots of money away. They give millions and millions and millions of dollars away. And when you look at the data on that, it's like 98% of it goes to Democrats. And these are the two teachers unions, the two national teacher unions. And so I think that's one of the big things that we have to really look at is, um, like you say, follow the money. And um, they may, you know, intellectually agree that there should be choices, but because the unions support so many of the Democratic candidates in the case of um, Obama, he's not going to come out against um, the unions. So um, right. it's it's like the death knell for them. So it's 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 a really difficult situation. And unfortunately, teachers are dragged into that as well because their teachers unions dues. They yeah. really lose their First Amendment right to say where their money is going to go. And if they disagree with the policies of the Democratic Party and what the teachers unions are pushing, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The money that they're paying in dues is still going to those causes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So oh, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Kelsey, so Kelsey. I mean, yeah. And I just I just wanted to talk about the proficiency rates of this yes, of, of um, kids of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just as far as black kids go in the Minneapolis public school district, mm-hmm. um, the stats from the Department of Ed are for math seven. There's 74 percent of whites are proficient and 15 percent of blacks, and for reading, 86 percent of whites are proficient and 30 percent of blacks. So I just want to go to one of these pe- representatives, and I've been trying to get a meeting with my own. He hasn't replied to me. He yet. still hasn't. But I would. I really want to know. I just want to know, you say you care so much about people of color and I see right. you, I hear you, I right. stand with you, I really want things to be better right. for you. I'm and you put see a BLM that, sign in my yeah. yard. And then you see 15% are competent in math right. and 30% right. reading and you and you have the opportunity to vote on something to allow these kids to get out of these failing right. schools right. and you right. say no. Right. And so I, I'm curious, like I want to know. Like, please tell me with your mouth mm-hmm. how you think this is a good idea mm-hmm. to say no to this. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you not a hypocrite? Yeah. Tell me. Exactly. I want to hear it from yep. the governor also. Right. Yes. Tell me, because honestly, well, I, mean, I don't understand. Right. Like, I might be really right. stupid. I just want to understand because it doesn't make any sense when you look at the numbers. And also, um, this is truly a bipartisan issue mm-hmm. when it comes to people. Every single liberal friend I have who lives in a bad neighborhood or lives mm-hmm. where there's a school that might not serve their kid well for one yeah. reason or another, they look for a better option. Yeah. And so I know that all parents, I was talking to a lady at a track meet. She moved mm-hmm. her kids out of the St. Paul Public Schools because her daughter hadn't learned in a year and they were having discipline issues there. Mm-hmm. So I, with, with the other kids. And so it bugs me that all of society seems to value getting the best education for their child, but it's just Democrat politicians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They won't. 
They don't. They they won't jump through that hoop. But I hope they do. I mean, I'm praying that they will change. Right. Well, that's the whole reason why we're doing this show and trying to get your voice out there because it's true. We need people to hear these statistics. And I want to say that again. Coffee just said 15% of Black children or minority children in Minneapolis pass their math tests and only 30% pass their reading tests compared to white kids at 74%. Hold on to that for a moment. That is that is shocking, and those numbers are horrible. We have covered that on this show in the past, and we need people to start getting angry. We need people to start getting angry. It's the only way it's going to change. And Well, and there's, there's another piece to this, if I may um, yeah. jump in. So we know that literacy is tied to incarceration rates. Mm, good point. And we, you know, you hear about this school to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have students who are not proficient in reading, they're more likely to end up committing crimes and end up in prison. Mm-hmm. We know that the private schools, their test scores are better. Yeah. So why not give these parents a chance to give their kids uh, an opportunity to go to a school where maybe they can get out of that school to prison pipeline. 100%. Yes. And I think that's a really important point because right now we're in a country where we're looking at prison reform because we say our prisons are too full. Well, if we really think that, that maybe the number one thing we should be doing is providing a real education to Mm -hmm. all of these kids uh, so that they don't end up in prison. I think that's a really important point. Yeah, we're sitting there scratching our head at all of the shootings that are going on in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And we wonder, what are these people going to do? They don't know how to read or write. They have no opportunities. Right. No wonder they're frustrated, too. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not their fault. It's not their fault that they're stuck in these schools. Yeah. Um, Well, I feel like we've kind of covered this already. We were talking about the fact that we feel like school choice has now become a really urgent issue. And I think you've both really done a great job of explaining why it's become an urgent issue. And um, one thing to maybe just add on top of that is that we're talking now about the inner cities mostly. But when you look at the suburban population, Alfreda, you mentioned that you were seeing some of the things, some things in these suburban schools that you weren't happy about, too. So I just want our listeners to understand that um, things like critical race theory and other um, issues that are affecting the, the curriculum outside of the inner cities is making uh, suburban people as frustrated and also wanting to have school choice. So I think it really is an urgent issue. And then on top of that, too, you have uh, COVID over the last year. I mean, how do you ladies feel that um, school choice desire has grown in the face of how COVID has really exasperated uh, the learning deficiencies that we're seeing in schools across the state and the country? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I... If I were a public school parent, I would be furious because the private schools have been open all year long. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Open and and very few need to shut down because of of COVID cases. So Mm -hmm. if you had the money to go to a private school, your kid has not had a year and a half of basically learning loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I believe, the teachers unions behind why these schools did not reopen. Mm hmm. And that's just not okay. I think it's exposed to many parents the uh, attitude of the unions that apparently doesn't really care about its students. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's I I do believe that that comes down to just exactly what you said. The unions once again. Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to add, there's a lot of pressure over the last couple of weeks was put on Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers. And guess what? Now she says, now she says, oh, let's open up all the public schools again in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, they're realizing all the school districts are losing students. And that's not just in Minnesota. That's Mm -hmm. nationwide. And uh, parents, as Coffee has said, parents want choice for their families. Um, so as we, as we've discussed all the many reasons why we think school choice is important and the advantages of it, what are some of the reasons why people would actually oppose school choice? You mentioned, Coffee, a little earlier that, um, the legislators were concerned about, uh, gutting the public schools. You know, talk to us a little bit more about that or if there's other reasons that you think might be why people are opposed. Yeah, I mean, I think the gutting the schools is one of their big reasons, and we already talked about that, that more mm-hmm. money stays behind than actually goes, and it will serve less students. Mm-hmm. And also, they talk about, like, oh, the schools will be gutted, and all the poor kids and the kids of color will just be left behind. And I mm-hmm. just feel like that's a very racist argument mm-hmm. to assume that people of color, or poor people for that matter, right. they're poor. They're not evil. Right. To say, right. you know, they don't love their kids. They're just going to leave their kids rotten in those schools. They don't right. want their kids to have better opportunities. Mm-hmm. And it's shown that when when people of color have opportunities for school choice, even with charter schools, the charter mm-hmm. schools are full of kids yes. of color. Yep. So parents do move their kids. And I just think it's racist to say that they would just leave them there if given the opportunity to to leave. And mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. said already, the you know, more money is not the problem. Right. Because the school with the most the schools with the most money perform the mm-hmm. worst. Yep. The poorest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We are we're running out of time here, Mark. Yes, we, we are. <laughs> Very quick, absolutely. Yeah. Um you know, charter schools, they're the main option really for school choice here in the state of Minnesota. Um, charter schools, I mean, it seems pretty clear that it's not sufficient as a primary viable avenue for school choice. Is that uh, an accurate statement for me to make, especially given uh, the demand that is growing? There's great demand. I mean, there's a lottery, Mike. We had to Mm -hmm. do a lottery to get into one of our schools, and the other one was first come, first serve, where we had to, parents waited outside for days to get in. They had tents. They rented Mm -hmm. porta potties I got there at, like, five in the morning, four in the morning in the dark, and just, I was so lucky that my kid's grade hadn't filled up. But it shouldn't be like that. So there is... Way more demand than we have charter schools, mm-hmm. and it's basically like winning the lottery these days to be able to get a better education for your kids. Yes, absolutely. And I would love yeah, our listeners. They want to put a. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, "Waiting for Superman" is a great movie for people to watch about that very issue. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Alfreda. Well, and plus they're pushing back and wanting to have a moratorium on new charters in the first place. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, they're trying to know, shut I, down. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to. They're trying to make the only option be these public schools where, quite honestly, the unions are calling the shots. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not the teachers, the unions. Well, we have about one minute left. Can the two of you tell our listeners what they can do to show support for school choice? What can they do? I would say write your your representatives. Mm-hmm. Um Send letters to the editors. Yes, that's uh, good. I think parents just have to band together and be louder than the teachers. Use. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. And I say ask for meetings with your legislator. They have these like form letters they send back to everybody all the time about school mm-hmm. choice. And yeah. they they represent you. 
You know, and my representative said, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I do. And you represent me. So mm-hmm. I need a better explanation besides this is what you like. <laughs> That's a very good point. And so and you can maybe yeah. get a better understanding of where they're coming from and, and convince them. And you can also go to the exodusmn.org and um, we have a sign up area there and you can put your information in there so that we can... We can, in the Exodus movement, there's five of us ladies, so we can contact you and keep you up to speed on what we're doing. Yeah, that's so important. ExodusMN.org. Okay. Very good. Well, that's all the time we have uh, for this week on Education America. I want to thank you both, Alfreda and Coffee, for this wonderful discussion. It's always just wonderful to hear from people that are on the front line that are fighting for school choice and to really just reiterate their personal experiences that change has to come. Mm -hmm. Certainly feel free to follow us at education-america.org. You can also catch up with us up on Twitter and Instagram as well. And And Facebook. And Facebook. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next week, same time, same channel. Mm